Hello, and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is Peter Nancy. How are you, Peter? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, we are, like, as, as of this recording, we are now officially, officially out of holiday season in retail, and oh my god, it's so nice being, like, Back to normalcy, back to people who aren't crazy coming in wanting everything last week, even though we sold out of it last month. So it's like, this is so much better than it was back <laughs> in, than it was for like all of November and December. I'm so happy right now. Yeah. Although it's only the first week of January as we record this, and they're already selling Valentine's stuff at Target. Yeah, this, yep. this is also true. So, you know, love is in the air if you're shopping, <laughs> if you're shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for for Sarah, love is in the air. For me and Peter, yes. it's a daily reminder. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. We'll just vicariously live through Sarah. That's how I've been living. Pretty recently. much, it's been great. Yay! Yep. Sarah, legitimately, the other day I was walking, and then I reminded of when. And just quick heads up, this is a safe for work story. I walked in on you and Sarah cuddling, like clothes on. You and Katie cuddling. You and Katie. You and Katie, sorry. You and yourself. Referring to Sarah herself. um, (laughs) You and Katie cuddling, and it was the cutest thing. And I just reminded, I was like, aww. I just like had to stop for a break to remember how cute that was. Yay. We are. Just a reminder. Grossly adorable. Oh, it's it's truly disgusting. Like, it's really gross. (laughs) It's awful. Now that you have seen it in person, you can can confirm. I can confirm. It's ridiculous. All right. How are you, Sarah, and your ridiculous love life? I'm I'm pretty good. My, uh, my, you know, gross lover and I are, we have a lot of strong (laughs) feelings about the new season of The X Files, which premiered, you know, for us two days ago. Um, I'm sure the season will be over by the time this gets released, but we'll see. <laughs> um, mm. Enjoying it, but also rather incensed. So go watch it if you want to see what we mean. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it sounds like what I heard from the first the revival season. So it seems to be the theme of this new yeah. series. TLDR, <laughs> fuck you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but I hate you. <laughs> it's it's a classic uh, nerd problem. You always yes. sort of love and hate your creator. True. And uh, I don't have much to say other than I have James Bond's gun. I was yeah. uh, gifted a replica Walther PPK by a lovely redditor on uh, Reddit Secret Santa, and I finally got it when it came back to Los Angeles this week. So thank you so much, redditor who probably doesn't listen to the show, but you're out there in the ether, and I appreciate you. And I'm gonna spend all my day going. Burn it, burn it! and it's gonna be awesome all right but this week we are discussing season six episode 11 and episode 12 which are waltz and who mourns for mourn there's a question mark i'm not being weird all right first up is waltz cisco aboard the uss honshu is transporting valuable cargo gold ducat who was on his way to face trial for his actions in capturing and running deep space nine during the last year Cisco meets with Ducat in the brig, who seems to have made a mental recovery since the Deus Ex Prophets and Zial's death, breaking his precious brain. The ship is attacked by Cardassian warships, and Cisco is knocked out. He awakens to find himself in a cave with Ducat, because that's not weird at all. Ducat claims to have escaped with Cisco in a shuttlecraft and had to land on a nearby planet. 
Cisco also has a broken arm, so Dukat is the one who sets up the emergency beacon and then goes off into a cave to do totally not weird things like talk to imaginary people. Sure enough, Dukat is still cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs as he faces with his demons. First is Wei Yoon, who taunts him for his failure to hold DS9. Then Damar, who encourages him to kill Sisko, and then Kira, who mocks him for his weaknesses and lies that he is a good man and needs Sisko's approval. While Dukat is having, off having his crazy fun times, Sisko checks the emergency beacon and discovers while it claims it is sending out a signal, it really is off. He tells Dukat to check it, and when he does, Dukat claims that everything is fine and Sisko's eyes go to maximum shift. When Dukat leaves again, Sisko manages to set the emergency beacon back on. When Dukat comes back, he talks with Sisko about what he feels about him. He pleads for him to believe him that during the occupation, he was one of the only Cardassians to try to rule with a softer hand, but a hallucination of Kira keeps mocking his statements as lies. Noticing that Dukat is not playing with a full deck, Sisko agrees with him and tries to have him ignore Kira, but he rages and sets him off firing wildly with his phaser. In the process, he discovers Sisko has tampered with the beacon, so he destroys it and beats Sisko down. While Worf is desperately looking for Sisko with limited time, Dukat once again tries to coerce Sisko's approval. Now, Sisko challenges him. How can he possibly explain the five million dead Bajorans during his tenure? Dukat tries to explain all the good he tried to do, but the Bajorans kept attacking him. Playing along, Sisko goads him into going stronger, that he should have just killed their whole race, and during his supreme racist rant, Sisko knocks him out and claims that is why he is not truly evil. Sisko finds the shuttlecraft, but Dukat takes it from him and leaves with his merry band of psychotic hallucinations, with a promise that he will find a way to destroy Bajor. Worf discovers the captain and saves him, and Sisko promises that he will stop Dukat at all costs. As per usual, what do we think of Waltz? Okay, this, this man, Dukat, this Dukat that we now have, this is the actual archenemy that Sisko deserves. Not what's yes. his, not not what's his face from whoever from wherever before because I literally already forget his name. I remember his face, but his <laughs> name is totally Eddington. unimportant. Eddington. Michael Eddington. He is so unimportant, but this is the arch enemy that Cisco deserves. Absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. And Ben, in your summary, you absolutely covered everything, but it doesn't really the, the, you, a summary can't do justice. To yeah, I tried the hard. Superb acting by Mark Alimo as yeah. Gold Ducat in this one. He was so good at being crazy. Yeah, and, and from the, like and the great... subtly crazy too, literally like great to like blatantly so too. Yeah, and and not just the acting, uh, but the great writing from Ronald Moore as well. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine. Ever, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a goddamn masterpiece. Um, it's so everything I love. I often joke that I want an, my ultimate X Men movie is Charles Xavier and Magneto just playing chess for two hours, and yes. this is basically what I've gotten. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like my favorite yeah. scenes are always Gold Ducat and Cisco having a tete a tete, and here's 40 minutes of it, and it's awesome. Because yes. it is so dealing with six years of a really, really compelling villain. Uh, DS9 probably has the best villains in any Star Trek show, I would dare say. Um, maybe the Borg are close, but the Borg don't have as much emotional impact. Right. Or just yeah. a good sort of theoretical idea. 
Uh, whereas I just love Gold Ducat and the female changeling and Wayun. Um, and Ducat is one of my favorite characters, I think, now in any Star Trek show after this episode. He's such mm-hmm. a fucking interesting character. He's such an absolutely fascinating character where he just desperately needs attention so badly. <laughs> he just desperately needs approval from people. He can't be, like, the bad guy. That's what makes him interesting at the end, is that if he was, he would have just murdered everybody. But he needs to be, like, this weird savior figure. And meanwhile, he's talking with the Bajoran's actual savior figure, and it's driving him literally insane. And it's it's great. Yes. Oh, Excellent analysis there. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I could talk for about an hour about this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I, guess, I honestly don't have too many notes just because I was so uh, drawn, drawn in yeah, to the dialogue. Um, yeah. I mean, I have two notes I that just are just way <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what do you and think of hallucinations in this episode? How about we talk about that? Oh, yeah. Totally makes sense. I, I like how each ones. one sort of represented a different aspect. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like Wei Yun was like his sort of... Uh, he was more trickstery. More, he was more mm-hmm. a, a bit, a, 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 a kind of a rational trickster, right? If that if that makes sense. And Damar was like his ego and his mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I can even do id, id ego and super ego in this one. Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, id, ego super ego probably. That's probably what they were going maybe for. Maybe Wayun is more id and Damar is more ego and uh, Kira is more super ego. Mm. I would feel like because mm. yeah, because Kira is yeah. very interestingly. It's great to have Kira finally say stuff she's always wanted to say to Ducat, and it's from Ducat's point of view, which is fucking great. Mm-hmm. Because he just knows. He just knows what she's going to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's, oh, it's so good. I was surprised there was no ZL at the end. Well, but if, I, mm. if he had seen ZL, he would have just entirely gone off of the rails like he's still got yeah. you know one set of tires on the tracks but <laughs> that would have been on. entirely gone <laughs> yeah and and, and Z- yeah and zial is that character is and especially with like especially with like in the last couple of episodes um that, that where she interacted with Ducat if she had shown up with the stuff that she said to him before before she was before she was killed and like Kind of based on what Wayun, uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. God, I can't talk. Uh, Wayun, Damar, and and Kira were saying if Zial had shown up, it's like she would have been saying literally everything to like literally to make him question everything. He'd have been like, okay, she is like she is my daughter, and she can't even trust me. Like that would have broke him. Like 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 Sarah said, he really would have gone off the deep end if she had, if if she had shown up. But that could be a storytelling um, nugget that they're saving for later on. Mm, yeah, to, point. To show I just feel like that's your ace in the whole character using, to yeah. have him show up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Mm. That's all I was gonna say. No, that no, that that makes sense. Yeah, because because not because now that we have officially met fucking crazy Ducat, um, you, you don't you don't want to pull out all your cards right out right away because like they they presented you know kind of like his three kind of biggest voices in his head right off as like as kind of introduction so it it, yeah it would make sense to bring out zial later like you know four or five six episodes from now or whenever whenever we see him next 
Yeah, and it's just great to give Mark Alamino like a awesome just space to just act this yes. season, this episode, you know. I was mm. thinking about watching him and it's like so many of these genre actors are almost as good or if not better than a lot of sort of big name actors in a lot of ways. Right. And I think about how because Mark Alamino doesn't sort of look conventionally attractive, he often has to play like monster people <laughs> or like mm. uh or like aliens and stuff because just like he's very tall and he's very like pronounced face and stuff but mm-hmm. he, he makes it perfect for a cardassian for one i've often said that before like the, <laughs> yes. the most neck i've ever seen um, <laughs> <laughs> there's one shot of tomorrow where he's leaning out and he looked like a like a worm because because the perspective it looked very weird <laughs> um i mean i've always thought that the uh the ridges on the side of cardassian's necks made them look very cobra like Right, mm, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's the idea with the, the shoulder pads, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I could see that, for sure. Very snake-like. Don't trust them. Yeah, snake people. The real snake people. The real Remember snake people. wasn't there there's some uh, several episodes ago, possibly several seasons ago, some Bajoran prophecy where they were interpreting it as there were, you know, snakes was the word used in the prophecy, but they were using it to... Or they believed it referred to Cardassians, and I wonder if um, snake symbolism for Cardassians isn't common in Bajoran, um, I don't know, tradition. Huh. Which is, you know, <laughs> entirely speculative on this fictional <laughs> culture and group of people, but whatever. <laughs> We're oh, no, nerds. Th- this is what we do. Oh no, dude, yeah. Sarah, I, I know exactly what you mean. About, uh, what you mean about going like way too deep and, talk, and talking about fiction. There, there, there is this K-pop girl group that's like that's that's like pre-debut. It's gonna be it's gonna be twelve a twelve, oh, yeah. 12 member. Peter 12 was mem- telling me about this. And yeah, it blew it, my mind. It's, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a twelve member group and and their and their agency that they're from. They're introducing them like one like one by one with their own single and they're and they're building this whole, they're building like like this kind of story around them. And there's a friend and there's a friend of mine and I, Angel. We have got. Especially recently, we've gone like deep into trying to figure out what the hell they're doing with these with these with their music videos because e- because each one always has like references to most everything else that has already been inter- been introduced and and we go in on our conversations so I know exactly what you mean a little too well. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe there's a K-pop Avengers that blew my mind. Oh no, you'd be surprised how, how you'd be surprised just how many K-pop groups, both boy bands and girl groups, have like have like kind of like sem- semi-meta stories built around them, and and like and like, like like why they like why like why they do what they do, quote unquote. It's it's kind of crazy, just a little bit. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's just it's just awesome that they devote an entire episode to like a villain, you know. Yeah. Yes. Usually you get a villain speech or a moment or little bits in there. Yeah, like just you a never scene. sort of get the hero and the villain just stuck in a building together, just talking it out, which I think makes it the most interesting, and the fact that it makes it a battle of wits that Ducat needs this approval so badly. He just needs him to like say he's a good person before he kills him which is yeah. so mm-hmm. he he's like an irredeemable loki a la marvel cinematic universe like like, like we, we have at least seen growth of loki where he's just like i'm cool now i'm a dick now i'm kind of all right but i'm still kind of a dick okay okay now okay now i'm good again with ducat is more of just like i have been smarmy this entire time it's just that now i'm actually fucking crazy and i will kill you with the fork to your neck right mm-hmm. 
Well, it's Ducat without power, which you've never seen before. He's always managed to find right. a way to gain power one yeah. way or the other. And now, Switching sides like a like a flip-flopping motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> and now we have Ducat with the added dose of desperation, which is very dangerous in any situation for anyone. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, well, the floppy hair Ducat when his hair is all floppy like yeah. flopping around. You know, things yeah. are going well. When he's all moosed up, he's like, you know, in control. But when his hair is uh-huh. like all like this, it's, it, things are not going well for Ducat. Very nice mm-hmm. visual representation. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. It's always the same with James Bond. Whenever his hair is all like, <laughs> oh, no. If you don't have time for moose, it's bad. <laughs> you, know, yep. you know James is in rough shape. Because there's like that one scene in Dying of the Day where James Bond comes out of the water and his hair is still perfect. And you're like, did you glue it on? How did you, <laughs> Clearly, did you do? <laughs> duh. I mean, and Ben, he came out of the water. So, duh. He just used it to slick it back. And he's like, done. Salt water. It works wonders. It works wonders Maybe for your scalp. He does a one move. But like he came out and it was already like by the time it came out of the water, it looked like it was in hairdress for an hour and a half. It was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it is Pierce Brosnan. I think his hair is just naturally like that. I can't mm. think of a film where his hair is out of place. This is true. Really? He had, he has some bad haircuts in a couple of movies, but whenever he has the long hair, mm. it's always that perfect. Mm. Now I want to go watch a James now a Pierce a Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie. I want to do that now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one option. <laughs> That's any good. Well, bad. there's also it's not a James Bond movie, but Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the thing right. that exposed me to Pierce Brosnan. That's and true. Uh, I'm trying to remember in the scene where he's choking and uh, Robin Williams has to give him do the the Heimlich. I don't even remember if his hair comes out of place or not during that scene. I don't think it does. My best <laughs> guess it is it does subtly, but not enough for you to be like, "Oh, it looks bad." It's more of just like it's more. It's more of like that one hair that falls out of place and falls like right, right oh, in front yeah, of your yeah. forehead. And you're just like, it still looks good. What the hell? <laughs> it's like you did that on purpose, though. Right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I know there's not as much for saying him on the episode, episode because it's one of those weird things where it's like, it's just really, really good, and I don't know mm-hmm. what else to say other than yeah. mm-hmm. it just really impressed me, and I really enjoy Ducat's constant weird personality. He has a very mm-hmm. interesting personality. The fact that he's sort of driven by power and trying to be the good guy, quote-unquote, but the fact we get in this episode like full-blown Bajoran racism out of him was very interesting yeah. Well, Ooh, yeah which really kind of showed his true colors where he started like ranting about their noses and their earrings which felt like you know some real racial slur shit happening mm-hmm. yeah it's like mm, that's that's who you always were deep down yep, yep. this superior race uh gross person it's like when you read <laughs> sometimes i read some last jedi bad you know reviews and and then I get to the end, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, that's who you were." <laughs> you know, I'm not saying mm-hmm. all of them. I'm just saying sometimes they throw uh, the word SJW in there, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay." And that's like with Ducat, where it's like, "Is it about you wanting power, or is it about you being a huge racist piece of shit?" Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say, um, before we got to this episode, uh, every now and then on like on, on like Tumblr or whatever. 
I would see, or, and, and even last, and even last year in 2016 with the election, I, every now and then I would see a picture of uh, Ducat pop up with him wearing a Make America Great hat again. Didn't quite get it because I was just like, oh, he's Cardassian, whatever. Yeah, it makes sense. With this episode, I'm just like, oh, that's what you meant. Shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, no, I mean, there was that one quote at the end of uh, was gosh, was that at the end of season four or five where he literally says, "We will make Cardassia strong again." Okay, well, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Th- there was there was that too, but this like really drove it home. Where it's just like you're just a flat out racist. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I, I I will make I will make one more one, one more comment. Um, I. With as smart of a man that Cisco is, how do how could he not? And and yes, I, and yes, I realize you know, like not knowing when Ducat's going to come back, you know, you don't exactly have all the time in the world. But how could he not think of anywhere better to hide that fork except for under a blanket? He couldn't like for a split <laughs> second just like throw it off into the distance so that it wasn't even near the campsite, like because Ducat was clearly just focused. <laughs> totally on Cisco and talking to him he wasn't he would he probably was not gonna go check some dark corner way the fuck over there 20 feet from you like to, to look for it so it's like I'm sorry but Cisco in your like 0.5 seconds of not thinking you got a beat down and Ducat and, and, and and escaped just saying this is true well I mean that's the other thing if you knock out Ducat you gotta just really knock him out that Every movie too. I see I'm like can you just shoot that guy like nine more times? Like just yeah. please, yeah. just to be sure. Yeah, just there, to be sure. There's a thing called double tap. Do it. That's what happened in Bright too. Like they thought Numi, evil Numir Pace was dead. She was not. They never are. So you gotta just burn the body and then put it in a fire and then put it that fire in the lava, and then mm-hmm. maybe you might have killed them. But yeah, if don't if ever kill- trust it. If killing vampires has taught me anything, it's it's kill them, yeah, but then burn their body to make sure they don't come back and no one else can bring them back. Absolutely. Leave Absolutely. no evidence. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Just, just saying. Just do, saying. Do a, little, do a little work. Do a little extra work. You've already there, you know. You're already at the store. You might as well get milk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. I think that'll do it for once. All right. Well, next. just real quick before oh, yeah. we move on, I, I do want to give a quick shout out to Avery Brooks, who this this episode was not about him directly, but I do love a good uh, Benjamin Sisko righteous anger speech. Ooh. And yeah. he was very good at that. Yeah. Right. His I, uh, questions. Yeah, uh, it's like, true or false? Did you, were five million people dead? Two more votes. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. <laughs> now, here we go. I, I do Let's have do one it. note uh, where, you know, I have a quote that he said, what do you know about the truth? And then I added in all caps, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would crush that expected. scene. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Avery Brooks probably has played a regional version of A Few Good Men at some point. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he hasn't, then something is wrong and someone needs to like make that happen, you know, Agreed. Like, in the next few months. That or a soldier story. He's probably played one Ooh, of those. Ooh, you know? that too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, next up is Who Mourns for Morn? Morn! Fuck the Red Wedding. Fuck Zial. And fuck Wash. This oh. is the real tragic death of all time. <laughs> as we learn that our, As we learn that our beloved sweet angel Morn has died in a freak accident. 
Quirk decides to make a little profit on the death of his beloved customer by throwing him a memorial, which is crazily well attended, because it's Morn. He even sets up a tradition that Morn's seat should never be empty again, as always someone should be sitting in it. During the event, Sisko informs Quark that Morn's will left him everything, but Quark, who thinks Morn is secretly wealthy because of his huge monthly bar tabs that he always pays, is shocked to discover Morn has no money and his only assets were from his shipping business. When Quark goes in, he discovers Morn's real prize, his ex-wife Laral, who tells Quark that Morn was rich as he won a thousand bars of gold-pressed latinum in a lottery and he was planning to retire with her. She states she's not even sure where he hid it, but if Quark decides to keep it for himself, she will wrap him up in huge legal battle. So he agrees to give her 10% of what he finds. In his quarter, Quark is met with another problem. The brothers Crit and Nashk, clearly gangsters who claim to be Morn's business partners. Quark tries to buy them off with one of Morn's paintings, but they decide the painting would look better smashed over Quark's head. Quark agrees to give them 50%, leaving him now just 40% of the loot. However, in their haste, only Quark notices the broken painting now has a DS9 locker claim slip woven in. He goes to it and finds only one bar of latinum, but it does contain a bank account number. He rushes back to his room only to find another stranger, this time a man named Hain. He claims that Morn is actually the crown prince of his home planet, who left him the money to explore a free life, and that Lorel married Morn to steal it. Quark agrees to help him for a small fee. When he tries to capture the others, all four of them end up in his room, and Quark quickly finds the final real, real truth. These four, plus Morn, were behind the infamous Lesepian Mother's Day heist. Morn ran off with the money, and now that the Statue of Limitations is up, they plan to take it from him. Quark has the loot delivered, and all five go to pick it up. While they wait, they all ask who killed Morn, and they discover it really was just an accident. They find the money, but in a space Mexican standoff, they all begin shooting at each other. Odo comes in to arrest everyone, but Quark pleads that it's his money left to him by Morn. However, he quickly discovers that all the latinum, the only worthwhile part of gold plus latinum, has been extracted, making it just useless old gold. Quark goes to sulk in the bar when he gets a welcome surprise. Morn! Who's still alive. Hooray! Yay! (laughs) After Odo leaves, Morn reveals he hid the latinum in his second stomach and regurgitates Quark's cut of a hundred bricks worth. Quark, who's still a little mad about the whole setup thing, says that he and Morn should probably work together sometime. What do we think of Who Mourns for Morn? It was silly and fun, and I liked it. Same. Yes, it was silly and fun, I agree. Yeah. And the only thing I had a problem with was, like, did they kill off Morn for this kind of silly shenanigans? And then they didn't, so it was all fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was all just fun. <laughs> did yeah. you guys see the end coming? Because I didn't. I didn't either. I, I was so pleasantly surprised. I kind of did only because, and, like, and I, we, I, we can all kind of agree. I, 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 think, I, I think we all kind of have the same thought, I hope, um, where just with how more people kept finding Quark to be like, so this is who, um, this, this, this is who Morn actually is. I was just like, I'm getting a real trust no bitch signal from every single one of you. You can't all be giving different stories about this one person. Like yes, like yes, you know people have different alibis, but this is a Star Trek episode, and we only have forty minutes. Like, like you need to wrap it up. There's only so much we can do. Um, so, 
so, so when it was like, so when they all showed up, I was just like, something's gonna go south, and it's gonna turn out to all be a ruse. <laughs> I like that uh, at the beginning. Quirk points out that his bar goes down fourteen percent when Morn isn't around, so mm-hmm. he installs a Morn hologram when he's not there. Yeah, <laughs> which is maybe my favorite thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but I like it too. It, it it reminds me of actual bar culture of like having the mascot person. And, oh yeah! Um, oh totally. The the Quirk having the brilliant theme of like. Never leave his seat empty ever again. <laughs> so, like, that was actually a really good speech, right? Yeah. If it, if it but, wasn't tinged with I need I was like it wasn't tinged with give me your money. It, I would have been like this is this is one of those moments where it's like I'm so down for Quark talking. And yeah, being, but it was actually s- sweet when later O'Brien and Bashir were like talking, and uh, O'Brien's like, "All right, I'm heading out," and Bashir's like, "All right, I'll take your shift." And then he's going to sit at uh, Morn's place in the bar. But you could see that at a bar where they're like, oh, oh yeah. someone always has to sit in this seat because our you know, favorite customer used to sit here. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that element of it quite a bit. And the first person who sits in the seat is actually Morn. It's the actor who plays Morn. <laughs> oh. Uh, the Bajoran. Oh, that's funny. So if you want to know what Morn looks like without makeup, that's who, uh, when he's like, you sit down here, that's, uh, that's actually Morn. So. I didn't realize that. I'm going to have to go back and watch that scene again. Same. Or rather, actor Mark Allen Shepard was the name of the actor. Mm. But, Screenshot. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was a clever little uh, reference to the guy so he could show his face for once. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind it's kind of like it's kind of like um kind of like that scene in the in the Dark Knight where where we get to see the Joker without makeup like a split second before he a split second before he before he's like, "Okay, now to set it off on this scene." Pa-pam! Yes. Mm. And also, I think every, in the first Ninja Turtles movie, every turtle shows up as, like, a human at one point. Mm. I yes. like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I see that's clever. We'll have to have a uh, human Jeffrey Coombs walk in and be like, <laughs> yes. oh, those two are annoying. And we'll be like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> We all laugh. <laughs> but yeah, this episode was a lot of fun. It was just... It was just silly, and it's fun. Morn is such a good character to be like, where you could believe every story, which is exactly fun. right. Like when, when that one guy was like, he was the prince, and I'm like, you know what? He probably was. It's Morn. I believe <laughs> it. And the, and then the, and then they walk in. He was actually the leader of a heist, and I was like, I can see it. Right. He's like, he has so much right. to say. He has a lot of stories. So clearly, he lived like a very colorful, awesome life. Yes. Oh, we also learn this is this is huge. We learned that Morn rejected Dax when she asked him out. Right. I know. And Worf has a huge problem with it. What do you mean he what do you mean he rejected you? What? <laughs> and then they walk into the bar and he's like, no, but tell me. He's like, dude, just drop it. Yeah. Uh, I do remember this one episode when, when Dax is talking about how cute Morn was with, you know, all eight of his hair. <laughs> or whatever it was. We also get a nice little quote from Cork where he's like, you were holding the latinum in your stomach the whole time? No wonder your hair fell out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I just need a picture of Morn with hair. Right? I like that, yeah, it's just a beautiful flowing, like three feet long hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Diego um, hair, but on Morn. Yes. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's a Trinity reference, dear listeners. God, I miss that guy. <laughs> Was glorious of hair. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just fun. It's just a fun episode with a lot of fun characters. Yeah. Like this, this episode is a good example of, at least for Quirk's character, if you don't want him to actually look up stuff, to actually cross-reference anything, just involve money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, literally, three, like, literally four people walk in. I'm his ex-wife. I'm, I'm like, I'm a police officer from this kingdom. Doesn't look up anything. Doesn't fact check <laughs> anything. Like, like, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Can we, can we just say that, like, in those moments, mm-hmm. Quark was like, I, I don't, I don't want to give a percentage, but Quark was like a lot of people just in today's world where it's like a story will come out and everyone will just instantly believe it, and and like the five people who fact check it are completely like just out screamed because everyone else is like take them like take them and burn them alive and it's like guys it's actually mm-hmm. it's like it's like guys the story is totally and absolutely fabricated shut up so you're saying Morn is a Breitbart reader oh. Quark is a Breitbart reader I'm saying that if I'm saying that if money were involved and he was going to be the one to get mm-hmm. it you could convince Quark to read Breitbart and believe every single word if Breitbart was in Star Trek universe they'd talk about Ferengi a lot I bet mm-hmm. what are those Ferengi up to they're always stealing money. Yeah. <laughs> Fringy feel like they'd be the easiest to be really racist about, is all I'm saying. They don't make mm. it easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's true. What I'm that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just fun. And he had a hot fake wife, which is, which is yes. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure they banged at least once, and whether they were wife or not. Oh, totally. Like to believe. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Morn got around. Morn's a lady killer. We all know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, Morn still is cool. He was he was a bank robber, you know, at the end of the day. He did sit off one of the world's most famous heists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, he got and, that bad boy vibe working for him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, if he was able to pull off an infamous heist, then it, then, it, then it, it's no surprise that it's no surprise that, that, that when the Cardassians were back on uh, back, back on DS9, he, he was just like, he was like, hey, yo, Jake, I have a way to totally get a message to your dad. It's real easy. Done. Now it makes total sense why he was able to just be like, just do, just give it, give, give the message to me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm waiting for my phone to stop ringing. Oh. Ding, ding. Ding, <laughs> oh, That's super cute. Ding, ding. All right, all right it's over. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't think it's anything important. Oh my god, it was something important. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Two seconds. Two seconds later. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> he did what? Oh my god. No. <laughs> no. I'm just having my fake phone call, guys. Don't worry about it. All right. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else to say for who mourns for mourn? I don't believe so. Oh, uh, oh, I, 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 I will, I will say so. Um, so two instances of you know just like a be of being able to take cues. Uh, first one, where, where the guy who's claimed to be from like who's guy who's claimed to be like like an officer from the royal family, clearly not able to you know decipher Quirk being like I'm just I'm like stretching and for no reason looking at this corner. Also, I'm also I'm nodding my head over here, and it's like, and he even says. And it even says, you're just nodding your head in different directions. And it's like, you can't take a hint. Whereas with Odo, he's just like, how long is it going to be closed? Uh, you know, not until six, not until 1600 hours tomorrow. And he's just, and Odo's just like, Odo's just like, 
Okay, I'll see you then. Like, learn to take clues. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that difficult, people. No, no, no one. No wonder Morn was the ringleader of the heist. The other four people are stupid, right? <laughs> I'm also glad that we we're, we're we seems like we're going to go the entire show and never hear Morn, which I think is great. Which I was, I don't think I've ever known a show where it was like that. He doesn't speak. We just as the audience never get to see him speak, which is mm-hmm. a really really clever idea. I think. Yeah, and especially this one where he goes like, "You really think it's going to happen?" He's like. All right, just tell me what happened. And Warren leans. He's like, eh. and she goes like, no, I don't even want to hear it. Yeah, I got, I got really excited. I was like, oh god, this is the moment. They're, 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 he's gonna he's gonna break his, he's gonna break his on screen silence. <laughs> so yeah, I very much enjoyed that they they kept that. And apparently, that was like a big part of writing the episode was that they were like they wanted to do a more episode, but they're like, how do you not? How do you have a whole episode where he doesn't talk? And they couldn't figure that out. So they're like, well, what if he died for half of it? <laughs> <Most> yes. <laughs> and people sort of react around it, which I think is uh, clever. Yeah, right. it worked really well. Well, I think that'll do it for our episode this week. Next week, we will be discussing season six, episode 13 and episode 14, which are far beyond the stars and one little ship. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.